0: Hello, welcome to Sugar-Free Coffee with Layla. Um, my guest, now some of you can see this, but some of you are just hearing this, um, is possibly my, well no, blatantly, my most requested guest. Every time I drop a podcast, someone tweets me going, why haven't you talked to Molly McCann? Where's Molly McCann? I Get know. Molly McCann on the podcast. how good we are as mates, Leila. I know. Just, uh, what am I, number 3 my number three. <laughs> you're number, number, three,
1: you're or number, number six. six
0: oh, or? wow. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, I'll be honest with you, I've been really overexcited about doing a podcast with you, possibly because we're friends, but also yeah. because of how inspired I am by you. Like you, I find you so inspiring to the point that it gets, I get anxious and I've been really nervous oh, about really? asking you to do this podcast. No, and really. then there's a friend zone thing too, right? Oh, come on. you just like, gonna... oh, to un- is that wrong for me to ask her? And did a...
1: No, if I was having a bottle of wine and doing it, it'd be even funnier. It would be fun. Right? We have to do that too. Okay.
0: But at the end of the day, I asked you,
1: and I you said so. yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And so here you are, Meatball Molly McCann. Let's talk face-offs. Okay. That's the first thing I want to start with, because with you, I think it's, there's a very evident difference. And when people watch your face-offs, it's like you drink the spirit of the other person. <laughs> it's something else. People get as excited about your face-offs as they do about the bloody I know, fight. I know. Um, for me, leila I
1: always thought... If you can get into someone's head before you get in there and take them away from their game plan and just make them think, oh, I'm just going to go and get them, you make the fight easier for me. Mm. And that's more my kind of fight. And I'll always beat someone at that. Um, I will tell you this, though. I've been speaking to like a, a man's coach, Vinnie Shorman. And ever since I lost, I've been speaking to him. And he told me... The only the only way you'll lose a fight is if you don't harness your emotion, and if you'll if you let a uh, if you fight off too much raw emotion, you need mm-hmm. to harness it. And he said to me, when you go on, go to this face off with Ariane, he said, I want you to not be all effing and blind and like you normally do. He said, I just want you to be calm, and that's the first time. In my whole life, that I've done that.
0: Well, you smiled at her at the end. That um, confused the hell out of me. I know.
1: Uh, well, when we, she always knew she was gonna have better range than what I had. So when we met, she was there before I was near. God was long. So I think I wanted to take that away from her. The second that I stood there, I thought, don't think that you're having your own way with me tomorrow. Like mm. I'm, I'm in your face, and I just stood there and looked at her, and um, and then I walked away. And Vinny rang me up and he said, why didn't you get in a face? I said, because I just didn't feel like I needed to. I felt really calm and really at ease. And that's the difference. But don't get me wrong. UFC London, Priscilla Cachoeira, she she... I had a face in, I thought, no, like, no, because the whole crowd went off the red, and I thought, I'm getting right in your face there, and Mike Bispan had that famous comment of, oh, you can tell she's a say." <laughs> so, by the way, I got in there.
0: We could see you were talking to her, too. Did you do you plan what you say? No, it was really off-cuff. I didn't mean to... I'd always get in
1: someone's head, mm. but I it just comes naturally. I, I don't think anyone ever plans it, to be honest, but I just said, like, um, Like I told you in the UFC Connected in London, I just said, they're there, they're there for me. This is my house. And then she was talking to me in Portuguese and then I was like, whatever, love. I can't (laughs) understand you. Um, But I don't know, the respect is gained once we fight each other. Mm. I can't give them it before we go in because I'd end up losing a fight.
0: So do you take a lot from a face-off? I do. Yeah.
1: From when I finally see that person... um, because you've imagined everyone I've ever fought has been from all around the world. I've only fought one English person. Mm. Um,
0: they all seem to be bloody Brazilian, do I know,
1: I know, yeah.
0: It's <laughs> very unfair. Yeah, so I have to
1: gauge that this is just a woman with two arms, two legs. And I see that's because you can, you can magnify their strengths when you're and tape on them or when you see the highlight videos. But when you see, when you're just two women stood in front of each other and then it's real, I think, well, actually, you're not going to beat me.
0: So after hearing, like, seeing all the stats, reading about them in the media, it helps you humanise them and see them as beatable. That's, ex- that's exactly it. And nice. I think
1: before I lost, I used to be a lot more ruthless with how I used to think. And I used to think, oh, they're not going to touch me. And then now I'm a little bit more like, well, actually, m- my last three fights I've needed stitches or surgery after nearly every one of them. And that's saying the level that I'm now competing at. Mm. So your mindset has to change with the level of competition. I'm not going to be able to run through elite level people. Uh, I'm like, I mean, I'll beat them, but I'm not going to be able to beat them up and make it look as easy. I, I would think as what I did to the lower scales.
0: So there's been like a a massive change in maturity in you since UFC Liverpool. I think
1: that's, yeah, that's what you'd say. Let's
0: talk about UFC Liverpool then. And for a Mm non-fighter, this is quite a grotesque question in a way, but what does it feel like to be choked out?
1: So I was put in the compromising situation and if someone has your back and they're putting a choke on, you the first defence, is attack the hands. Mm. So the hands that are choking you, you're two on one try and peel it off, make sure you keep your chin down. And um and I couldn't reach it because where she had a short choke, her hands were right behind my neck. And at this point I I quite on numerous occasions made it known like I would never tap. Mm. That's the only way you beat me is by putting me to sleep. And I seen I seen the Crowd and in the UFC, they have like um, your name shoots around, yeah. Do you the know, graphics. like, yeah, the graphics. And I just said UFC Liverpool, UFC Liverpool. And as I'm going out, I put my hands up, and you can see it on the video like, I'm gonna try and tap or defend, and I couldn't. And I just dropped them, and then my body goes l- like stiff as a board. And that's when I was out. But as I'm going out, the lights just go black, 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 black. It's oh like God. From 2020, tunnel, nothing. Yeah. And um, it took me a bit of time to come round because it's very unusual for someone to go out with their eyes open, but my eyes were open. So if you can hear Dan Hardy on the... On the when he's commentating, he's like, oh, she's out, she's out. And Neil Hall did an absolutely horrific job. Like, Gillian Robertson even was like, she's gone. And I was, like, face down, fitting on the floor. And... When I come round, I was kind of like, I didn't know where it was. I didn't know I was even in the UFC. It was, I was like looking at everything. I'm going, oh, it's UFC Liverpool. Oh my god! And then I looked at my gloves, and then I was like, oh, am I in the UFC? And then it was like, oh
0: no, yeah,
1: the worst possible thing had happened. Had did happened. you
0: realize it yourself, or did someone have to tell you?
1: It 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 took seconds for me. Which we'll call it like coherency to come yeah. back together. It was like five, six, seven, and within about fifteen seconds, I was like, fuck. I, when I woke up I thought I was in Barbados. Like everyone laughs when I tell people this, but I was like, the mat was hot and it felt like sand. Yeah. And I was going to the Dominican Republic the next week and I'd just been talking about Barbados. And I was like,
0: ooh. Cause that feeling
1: of going to sleep is like a warm feeling.
0: Octagon, am I in Barbados? Yeah, we caught that on the yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm in Barbados. Yeah, so, Um, yeah, and I just remember a standing ovation from the crowd. Like, I think it's very rare that people choose to not yield and tap.
0: So that's where I was going next because you spoke a lot in interviews after that fight about how it was really important to you that you didn't happen how you hoped people saw that out of everything at least you didn't give up
1: yeah and some people are going to go oh you're an idiot for not happening like you could that like I was never going to die it's very <laughs> uncomfortable it's not nice but if you pride yourself on being a warrior warrior spirit and a will to win that can't be beat then you are gonna fight through everything that you possibly can. And if there was 1% a 1% chance that her arms would have burnt out like we know happens, and I could have survived, that's what I was holding on for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: So I guess my question is do you judge people who tap out? No. No. Um
1: mine was very uncomfortable, but mine was a blood choke. Right. So you can be getting people who get neck cranked and strangled like um I think Darren Tills was a dars. Chris Fishgold was a dars. I know I know, Fishy is one of the toughest men on this earth mm. and the gamest men, and he's still top because he knew he wasn't going to get out. You don't need to go down like you're a hero when you've just put on an unreal performance, but my performance wasn't that great, but I needed to save some face and a bit of e- pride, ego. Might have all rolled you thought into about
0: him. all of that as you were... Yeah. Really? 100%. I
1: yeah. was, like, thinking... What a fucking chance am I doing this? And it's something that mean mean that like, certain people will always say, like, you're just scouser, though, because you didn't tap. And I just think...
0: You would never have tapped. That no, was never an option.
1: Paul Rimmer said to me, because we knew the was good to arm bars, triangles, he said, I went, do a tap. And he went, you've got medical care. Don't tap. Yeah. Obviously, I will... I'll put it on record. I will tap if it's a heel hook or something that's going to blow my knee. I'm not too... I'm not going to waste... I'm not a eight... complete idiot. <laughs> yeah, like, I, if I'm going to have a year out, then yeah. then I'll I'll tap. But if it's literally just... It's just uncomfortable.
0: But it wasn't only that. Something, you know, almost as uncomfortable is after that, you went and fulfilled all media duties that essentially you didn't have to. I didn't, you well, went and you're did. Not, yeah,
1: you're not really supposed to think when... I had to go and get stitches first. I remember coming to run to you because she was like a safety blanket for me. <laughs> Thank from you. From Cage. Whereas it? it was like... oh. The like,
0: face you knew.
1: Yeah, and I know how much we care for each other, so I was like, oh. And I just remember being gutted, and Caroline Pierce done that interview, and I, I really didn't need to. And I just remember being in the chain... I'm not sure if I went for food before I did the interview. I don't think I did, I didn't get time. No, yeah. Um, I just remember trying to be honest and as transparent with everyone as what I can be, and people will love me or hate me for that, and I'd probably say 90% of people appreciate my journey my honesty my transparency and the message i try to bring and you're going to get 10 percent of people who just aren't that into what you're about which is fine do you know what i mean but the the love i got for doing that interview and the amount of grown men who've come over to me said you had me crying after that interview i was just like i just had to be honest but i remember Layla doing that interview i walked out the back door And the Pullman Hotel is next to the Echo Arena, now the MS Bank Arena. And my mum was there, and Paige was there. And my mum said, I've never drank in front of my mum, because my mum's like 23 years clean, recovering addict. So I just would never disrespect me. I just seen that as a respect thing. So I'd never drink in front of her. She sat me down and she bought me a cider because it's what I drink. She went, Drink that get your fucking shit together and go to your after-party and go and see your mates. Because I was, like, beside myself. And I was like... Oh, uh, what a uh, hero, yeah. And she was like, no, you're not going to feel sorry for yourself. Look what you've just managed to do. Look at what, Take all the positives. Now, go and see your friends and your family you have spent hundreds of thousands of pounds following your career. And I was just like, fucking had this time in a police mum. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, just let me have 10 minutes, yeah. you know. But she didn't, and... She's the person I aspire to and I look up to, and she just says, well, we're cut from a different cloth, you know, like, you're not going to sit there. So then I went to see all my friends and my family. It all kicked off with all of them because everyone was drunk, emotions was high. Everyone has kicked off and everyone, I was like, oh, I'm going back to the hotel. So I've just gone to the hotel with Paige, and as I've walked in, Darren's just won. Everyone's come back for a party and everyone's looking at me, and I was just kind of tossed to the side, like mm. nobody's child. And I went, oh, Paige, I can't fucking handle this. Let's go to Chinatown. I want to get a Chinese. So I've walked in. My face I'm like, looks horrific, and the whole of the Chinese has gone...
0: Because
1: mm. <gasps> everyone had been to the Echo.
0: A good time to not be recognised. I
1: know. And the ma- it, a man and his family came over to me and gave me £100 in cash... I said, like, I can't take that. And Paige was like, No, you fucking take tonight. <laughs> it's paying for tonight. And he went, um, Gail, after what you've just been through, no one deserves to pay for their own dinner tonight. Aww, he went, chin man. up, chin up, kid. He was a um, so uh, he sponsored one of the lads in our gym before, so he knows all about the fight game. And then it literally took eleven months for me to to gain a bit of like self-worth back again. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was just tough.
0: So how much Was that fight, that London, that night, a turning point? And how much were you already on the journey for Molly 2.0, as it were? Yeah, so I would say we really cracked
1: down hard, like the 3rd or the 4th of January, and the fight was the 16th of March. Now, I started fight camp at 61 kilo, so I had £9 to lose, Mm. which I'm used to cutting the night before a fight. Wow. So for me, there was no pressure of making weight, and after... Failing weight at UFC Liverpool, that was the biggest thing in my head. That's probably, I think, why I lost because I weren't professional and making weight on my head just fell off because I've never, that's never happened to me before. So I just said, like, I'm going to make such a statement on how I'm going to do this. And everything, I put myself out of my comfort zone for everything that I did. So I started training earlier in the morning. So I forced to get out of bed early when I didn't want to get out of bed. I added extra runs to me sessions. Um, I was doing. Were you fighting
0: with yourself then? There was way. so
1: much going on inside, and I didn't know the right blueprint. Mm. I thought I did, and I didn't. So I was like, right, scientifically, what's the blueprint to be strong and to make weight? And we had it. Um, and then we had to periodise sparring, pad sessions, game plan sessions. And I just had this new lease of life, life where every second I was on the mat, I was that scared of getting it wrong, I was just getting it right. And then training, it was shocking everyone. Yeah. And they was like, Where's this come from? I was like, It's the hundred days of Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. That was a hundred and fifty days.
0: It's still I can tell it's still a little bit raw, but do you already look back and go, That's probably the best thing that ever happened to me?
1: Hundred that made me and I said it's not the defining moment of my career, but it will help define my career. Yeah. And um yeah, it was it was humiliating and humbling. Um
0: But you can But back. you know when you think
1: they like give me soul, my life and soul to the five weeks in the camp mm. and it was probably the five weeks prior where I'd been celebrating a world title and I weren't in the best shape because I was enjoying a lifetime's work. That set me back. But ever since that loss I just, I I put a post online and it was a picture of my face after the fight and I'm looking up like that. And I just said, this face is a face of disbelief. Like, I couldn't believe I had got to the pinnacle of my sport and failed at the first hurdle. Mm. And I was like, I just promised myself and everyone else, like, I'll never have that face again, albeit I might lose again. But it won't be... You were unprepared to lose. You you
0: hadn't prepared for that. Now you know.
1: Yeah, like... (laughs) I'm really aware. Like the more I'm around fighting, the more I fight. It will happen more, more often. So like, someone will implement their game plan better on a, on a given day. If I have a shit day in the office, it is on the biggest scope ever. Um, I don't go to work. I don't compete five days a week. Do you know what I mean? So if football team plays forty games in a season, if they won thirty, wow. Do you know, exactly. Like, do you know what I mean? But, Stats are amazing. Yeah, but in fights, you don't get that opportunity to fight that.
0: So let's talk about UFC London, because that yeah, was the a...
1: badness is gone. The, the goodness is... is there. But you
0: know, going back to that, going to that fight, things had changed. You knew the camp was ten million times better than it ever had been, mm-hmm. but you are going back on a Darren Till card. Oh my God! So that messed with me
1: brain so much. I was yeah. thinking, oh, was he my Kryptonite? Like, um, <laughs> I was thinking, I was just. There was loads of things lately, and I just thought, right, I need to put all these superstitions to bed. So I'd had a fight in Brazil previously and I was robbed on a decision, terrible. So that was a, a loss on my record, but I knew it wasn't a loss. So mm. I wasn't bothered, but I wore black in Brazil. Right. So I thought, I'm wearing black. Because mm. you wanted to cancel out that. Yeah, because I wanted to cancel out I thought, right, Darren's there same same card okay i was in the same corner um i was thinking that's a lot of confidence to do that to yourself i know and i was thinking in brazil i took an england flag out whereas normally i'd take me everton flag out but you can't in the ufc can only be countries so then i thought i'm taking my england flag out i'm doing it i'm doing it
0: so you purposely did things that you did on a loss in order to break that yeah wow i mean it wasn't easy and i was coming back and
1: forth back and forth back and forth, but. Conor McGregor said it, and I can't quote him. I can't even paraphrase him that well, but it was something to be like: if a superstition can put you off a fight, you are mentally weak, right? Do you know like what? Because you put that sock onto that one, that means all the hard training sessions, diet, game plan goes out the window because you put your socks on different. Like you
0: were like, no way, I'm not letting that happen. Shut up,
1: Molly. Do you know what I mean? But then I did it, but it
0: plays on your mind.
1: It did, and without rushing to the. The last fight, the Ari- Ariane Lipsky fight, I'd done exactly the same thing. All the times that I lost was to Brazilian and I was wearing the same colour clothes and, like, it was in a different country and I finally put that to bed again and I think that's why the anxieties was quite high for the last one. But squashing all of that, I finally thought, oh, it's all right, like...
0: What does it feel like to break your or- orbital bone and win?
1: Um well, I think you've seen in the hotel when I was partying until about two in the morning what I felt like, but um, I've never felt, I've never quite felt pain like that. Sorry for moving, boss. Um, I've never felt pain like that. Um, I remember what doing the UFC connectors in London with you when you showed a different angle mm. and you hear the crack,
0: mm.
1: and um, oh geez, that one was a bad one but to push on through and to know the doctor's nearly going to stop the fight but you've got to keep on fighting and you know you've got four minutes and 40 seconds to fight with one eye you can't see how far your opponent is so you're kind of going on peripheral vision or like you've been here a million times so you kind of know how far that person is away from you but you haven't really got a clue and um I literally scaled that fence when that bell went and I flew on my coaches and we all just loved it. Like, it was the best feeling ever.
0: So you knew going into that fight, and I don't know how much you allowed that into your consciousness, tell me, that if you'd won, had you won, you would have been the first English woman to win in the UFC.
1: Yeah, so when we talk about maturity and the way in which I speak before a fight, I'm very... I'm sure of what right now because you put it out there to the universe and it's going to come, mm-hmm. but without sounding like a tit or, like, arrogance or ego yeah, or yeah. the ego. So the morning of the fight, I put a post on Instagram saying the picture was me and an England flag and the, the caption is something like, tonight England gets its first female UFC win and a performance... I'm wavy of and it was more about me than a performance for everyone yeah. else. Because my man coach Vinnie Shawman said, You always talk about doing this for everyone else and not yourself and that's where you need to change that. Yeah. Because you can't fight for everyone else, you have to fight for yourself. So I put that out there and I thought, yeah, do you know what I am gonna be the first English woman to get a win in the UFC but there been that much happening the fight and it's probably a bit concussed lately. I just didn't even think. And then when Dan Hardy said it, it was amazing for me and him to share that kind of moment yeah. together. And um, I just remember listening to the crowd go off the tits and I was just like, no one can take this bit of history away from me. And to do it in London, yeah, like it's actually given me goosebumps yeah. because the, si- the stage was set for that. Do you know what I mean? I was the first scouser to make the walk at UFC Liverpool, didn't get the win. But I was the first woman to... I wasn't the first woman to make the walk as an English woman, but I was the first yes. one to get the win.
0: And the first one to get the win. And yeah. then how much did life change? Because the media went mad for you after yeah. that Yeah. I, mean. um, I don't know. I've always struggled, obviously, with doing an
1: interview and not and swearing. Do yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I had to really start to change that. But I was on Talk Sport, I was on um, Five Live. I was on all, like, BBC Well, the TV state
0: side was crazy, about yeah. you too, all over America. Yeah, and um, I can't remember who it
1: was, but if it, it was, like, BBC Two, which is, like, your left-wing, conservative, Tory, all of that. talk about Theresa May and Brexit at 8.40 in the morning, peak time, everyone going to work. And they go, now we're just going to talk about me, Paul <laughs> And I was like, what, this game from Norris Green is just, like is on and it really, life changed for the positive and my message changed and the reason why I fight changed that day and it was for, it changed more. I fight for myself but the reason that I'm fighting is to change it for the community, do you know what I mean? And allow the blueprints now there for the girls to do it in England.
0: So you've just gone to exactly where I want to go next. How much has this changed and how much has everything changed since you a girl who wasn't allowed to chain at a gym yeah. tell me about that time um so what you told like you went to a gym and you I were went, told I went no. I've probably
1: gone to say about seven gyms boxing gyms mma gyms have always let me in Yeah. just so that's on record cuz Paul Rimmer goes everyone thinks you weren't allowed in our gym and I was <laughs> like no 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 um it was always boxing gyms and there was a I always say Amir Khan was the only English fighter to represent Great Britain Olympic Games. I remember watching it, and I was 12 years old, and you had like Kelly Home win the double, yeah. do you know what I mean? And there was like so many, the the English rowers was winna, winning, and we was like a little nation then that didn't have much sports science, so we weren't really competing with the best of them, do you know what I mean? But I just remember in me a car, and just a 17-year-old lad, got silver, and I thought, no, I want to do that. So around the corner was a boxing gym and my um, cousin was allowed to go in every day. He was a lad, and I turned up. I was speaking to this guy called Danny. I was like, Danny, can I ever go? We went, no girls were allowed in love. So I just used to watch through the window. Oh, my God. And um, I just imitate what they was doing, and then he let me in, and then the famous story of, if you've got a gum shield, you can come in, and I showed him my gummy, and then he let me spar, and I battered one of the lads, and then he went, you can come back all the time, but it weren't like... I had any one-on-one time with the coach. Mm. It was just kind of like, right, well, you go on the end. So, if you notice, when I fight, I switch stance all the time because I'm left-handed but I fight orthodox because I was never asked if you left or right-handed. It was like, copy them. There was yeah. no self-pause in the gym. Yeah. So, fight that way. And then, you were not a priority. Yeah. So, I've learned to fight the wrong stance still because people didn't want to take time on me. But, The more I had a mirror and I danced in front of that mirror like I was Muhammad Ali. I just thought but like butter wouldn't melt. I thought I was the best thing ever. I'd walk into the gym and just try and make every coach laugh and I would never be disrespectful, but I'd like when we talk about what paddy brings to a session and and a gym in in my lad Paddy Pimbley, then um I would always do that in a boxing gym just because I thought I have to prove myself. So I had to be good at everything.
0: Do you carry the weight of responsibility now, especially with being in the media and everything for women, for young girls going to boxing gym and wanting to be in MMA? Do you think about that and feel it?
1: That- I feel like I've progressed in terms of responsibility and being a role model, and I didn't really. In football, the FA will overrule, and UEFA will be like on your Instagram, on your Twitter. Yeah. If you're, you've got a code of conduct. If you don't act by that way, then you're. Getting fines, you're getting this and you're getting that. And in boxing and MMA, you don't really have that. So that's why you kind of get people who get in trouble for tweeting something or for posting something. We get in trouble all the time by trolls, not by like a governing body. Yeah. But I just thought, right, I need to carry myself in a way that's true to who I am. Um, I don't change and become like media trained and sit here and, and I, I just don't speak my mind and anything like that. But I need to be away with. We're
0: Conscious of the girls, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You feel that,
1: yeah. And I don't think I've drastically changed, but I feel like language you use, things that I do. If I go out, I wouldn't get as drunk as what I used to get when I went who I was. Do you know, mm. like you just have to be aware that people are will try and catch you slip and, and and they really will. So we're all only human, and we may make mistakes and things, but you you you're just trying to live the best way that you can.
0: We've watched you grow. We've watched your mindset change. We've watched so much happening. How do you now, how do you define success?
1: I remember being asked this, Layla. I met you in October, not last year, the year before. And a, a little team was following me called Project Success and we ended up doing quite a lot together. And they was like, what What does success mean for you? And I was like, it's so much it's so different for so many different people because mm. I was like, if you're a person who suffers with anxiety and depression, getting up, leaving your house and going to the shop could be your Mount Everest. Do you know what I mean? And that is success for you. And I can't remember what I said. Um, But I think success for me now is just carrying myself in a positive way putting good out there and getting good back.
0: Post your Greenville fight, mm-hmm. the interview, I was even surprised, because I'm sort of used to the old Molly, as it were. Um, I don't think I swore, I may have swore, I may have no, said shit. Yeah.
1: I can't remember if I used the no, bad but one. what
0: happened was they were talking about, um, I think it was Caroline Pierce, asked you, you know, who next, where next, and you said the old Molly would have been, Shevchenko, give it to me, I'm ready. But the new Molly is just going to focus on improving herself and fight whoever comes her way. Yeah. How much do you have to work at that? How much of that?
1: No, that was just, that was pure honesty because I was crying before I'd done the interview because I've just achieved yeah. the dream of winning in America. And I had nothing left to give. I had, I had no adrenaline left. I had nothing. But the BBC was doing this, paid a lot of money to do this documentary with me. And I know ESPN Funny, and yeah. all of them needed this. They all needed the interview and I've never done a with Win an interview in the UFC. Because when I done my eye, UFC London.
0: Rushed hospital Yeah, so
1: I there was a lot that I was still waiting for a first yeah. in, in the UFC. And um, everything about that fight I was calm, concise and clear about. And the interview was exactly the same. And it's just like, I'm going to get there now when I'm going to get there. And I, now I don't have to rush myself and I've proved my worth. But... If you start calling people out, you, you have to be careful what you wish for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: It's a more patient Molly.
1: Yeah, I've just, yeah.
0: But a more patient Molly that still likes the party. Something I've missed and I have to go back there <laughs> is when you broke your orbital bone, rushed mm. to hospital, sat there and they said you're going to need surgery first thing in the morning. Yeah. And you were like, cool, I'll come back. Yeah. Now, I'm sure they were like, no, no, you're uh, staying. No. Hey, do you
1: know what, Leila, they went, you can go and have a sleep at home or. Going like going sit with your family and that because they could see me phone was going like boom, 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 yeah. boom. and um and we came back and I wasn't I sat down with me coaches and I bought them dinner I was like whatever you want I'm getting that fifty grand bonus you can get the hundred pound steak it doesn't matter because I was just adding me as I was going to get this big bonus um we sat there and I was like lads I don't really want to drink me my face is killing me and then I um I just poured one. And then my face was hurting more, so it was, like, nailed a little bit. And by the time Darren had fought, I was, like... I'd never been so happy in my whole life. And normally in Liverpool, after a fight, everyone's dragging me everywhere. And I'm getting pulled left, right, pillar to pillar. And this time, about 70 people came back to the hotel for me. And they oh, all nice. let me work the room. And no-one demanded from me. And I thought... It's so much easier now. Yeah. It's so much easier. But I don't know. I think I was in my room for 12. So I was back at the hotel for eight. You were not in your room for 12. Was I not? No way. No. <laughs> no I, way. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, this is the story I tell. Eli. But I just remember I got a... You
0: were back at the hospital for your surgery at nine. Yeah. That was the important thing.
1: Yeah. I had a pizza in my room. Yeah. Didn't sleep. And I just remember I was putting... I was putting videos on my Instagram like this is the price of ambition. Like my eye was just destroyed but it made me an overnight sensation in the UFC.
0: How much did you notice a difference in friendships, approach and people around you from a loss to a win?
1: No one went hiding in the loss.
0: Okay, good.
1: um, My group, I've got about four different friendship groups from university growing up friends school friends football friends and fighting friends and family so there's me six groups and they was more proud than how I handled the loss than how I've handled the win and um and in wins I've seen it more when I won the world title yeah I, like I, I dealt with that and I seen Pat, Paddy Pimblet and I've seen Darren Till go through it I've seen these lachons and these cling and I have no time for it. And I'm a lot more direct with people and how I choose to spend my time now. Um, and and I don't think I'm ever too rude with it, but I'm just like straight. I'm a straight talker, and um, if I know someone's trying to angle something on me, it's like literally, tell me what you want. If I can give you like a kind of, if I'm good, tell. I'm not going to, but don't don't start trying to say you've been on this journey with me since way back when and all that but then my friends are like you only see certain people pop up when you're fighting or putting pictures up about you when you're fighting but my mate Lauren said they're not probably doing that on papers but you're not in the forefront of their mind but when people are talking about you then they think about you so don't don't always take it on the negative and as the bad and I was was like I won't but when I won UFC London I couldn't walk anywhere down the streets without Scousers being let yeah like Yes, Meatball. Yeah. And it's still the same now. Uh, when went a one in Greenville. Um it's Mike Bisburn and I forget the other man's name, who was the commentator. I think it's something Fitzgerald or Fitzgibbon or something, but they was calling me the Meatball. They weren't calling me Meatball Molly. It yeah. was like the Meatball. And that's what the Scouses say. And um And it's funny because that's what everyone says.
0: In an interview after you won your Cage Warriors title, which I think is fair to say probably the hardest fight camp you've ever been through. You lost your dad. I hope you don't mind me saying you lost your dad in that fight camp. And um, it was incredibly tough on so many levels and emotionally as well. In an interview after that win, you said, I don't know how to fight without adversity. Yeah. You're in a position now where things have changed. Mm Mm-hmm. Where you know the weight cut isn't a problem anymore, and you've put everything in place to fight well without it without adversity. Mm -hmm. You don't want to create adversity for yourself in order to fight,
1: yeah. You don't want to like give yourself speed bumps when you're trying to race a race. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so when we go back to superstition, UFC Greenville, there was no adversity. So yeah. superstition was playing games with me. Mm. And then I gave it the best performance of my life. So maturity, growing up, um, not having to draw from pain to fight.
0: That's exactly where I want to take you. Yeah. I almost want to sort of say, can you look back at that fight camp, that win? Be really proud of yourself and know that you don't need to fight that hard ever again.
1: Yeah, so... The way that I've been brought up and the way my fighting style was was um, fighters fight and I think when you face adversity every day, you are only used to fighting. That's all you're used to. And when you meet someone who hasn't had to face so much adversity, normally your willpower and your will to win will outdo theirs because they're not used to how to cope and how to deal. So I've just always believed, like, that was my job. Like, if I'm dealing with so much outside the ring, outside the cage, that by the time I get in there, that's the easiest part for me to do. But I've just put my most flawless performance on without having to draw from any of that. Um, Everything's just got more easier and more balanced, like we previously said, and it's not as... When you get to the top, sorry, I'm nowhere near the top, but I'm getting there. But now the fear of money isn't there. The fear of support, of not having money, not having a support system, not making weight, not being good enough at the the biggest level, none of that's there anymore. All I have to do is enjoy training. Sometimes it's not fun, but there wasn't really one session or whole fight camp that I didn't enjoy. Um. But it was so much different to the UFC London fight camp.
0: Do you find yourself looking for pressure or looking because you know we get caught in a circle?
1: Yeah, you. have that People vis- who are
0: used to adversity, how do you get how do you get out of that?
1: I said to me mum, our life is go. There's a, there was a a girl I trained with in America called Christy actually, and she said to me she said, "You expect someone to pull the rug from your feet anytime you're truly happy. Mm. You just look for it because that's all you've ever known." And she was like it's not coming now like you just need to sit happy with yourself I and mean, we have this like self sabotage moment like i said it to me mum and noticed her behavior i said you're trying to sabotage this like whatever she's got going on at the minute i said you're trying to sabotage yourself so because that's all we are used to and i said and it needs to change we have to break we have to break this cycle a
0: lot of people do that a lot of people self-sabotage because you can't believe it's going that well
1: like and then you have to fuck it up, but it's <laughs> just like...
0: I so how what tips do you have for people to...
1: Oh, just, oh, I don't know, believe what's going to be, is going to be, and just what's good for you won't pass you by. Are
0: you religious? Is it faith? Because there's a lot of, there's a faith
1: there. They're, it's more spiritu- spirituality. Um, I was, grew, grew up, my mum, the whole family is Irish Catholic, both sides, so all of that is in us, but, my mum's always believed in a higher power and following um the twelve step programme and being an NA and being in recovery, you you say God and that's who you pre- like say your prayers to and, and your affirmations and you talk to but it doesn't mean like Jesus is dad. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's like it's a, a cloud Yeah it's now it's, yeah. no, it's like whatever you wanna whatever whatever you want to talk to and what you want to speak to, you speak to. But I do think when it comes down to that kind of thing, I think I am very, very, very spiritual. Um,
0: you have some things you put in place and that's what I really want to share with listeners who, you know, need help in those areas as well yeah. and also see what you've done and are inspired by it. But I know like, I hope you don't mind me saying, you have a, a WhatsApp group with some friends where you, where you yeah, it's called, share gratefulness. Yeah, it's
1: called Gratitude. So, I mean, I was literally talking about this the other day. My mate Lauren just is one of the girls in it and she is someone since I was 60 and I looked up to and I wanted to be here and she was like like um we all worked for the fire service for a charity in the fire service together when we was kids football coaching in the community but she kept on going to these levels and levels and levels and I was just always wanting to be here and she said she's just left her job to move on to bigger and better things and she said but one of the big things in which she said was she didn't realize how Amazing, every female in her life is a strong, independent woman and is leading in their field. Mm. So, in this gratitude group, there's a firewoman, a CSI woman. Um, she's like the head of social care now. And Berry, I fight. Um, there's one who manages Aldi, but it's, it's like managing a shop and a superstore. Yeah. And like, so uh, strong women, yeah, like everyone is leading the thing but on a Monday we say three goals we want to achieve every day you're supposed to say something that you're thankful for and I say because I love my music you've got to put one new song in the group um, every Sunday night but that's something I got from my mum and something that she does with her girls I just copied it and I've got an Irish gratitude as well which my English gratitude fume about because they're like how many gratitude groups have you got (laughs) but I was like my different fighting people my Irish girls who fight in Bellator and train over there, they bring something different, but I still want to share that with them, do you know what I mean?
0: So you're actively putting out how you feel, being very grateful, and, I guess, visual- visualising the future.
1: That's it. I think, do you know, that's all I've done since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I've always said how I feel, and it's not always been in the right way, Leila. This is like, I'm still working on that now, Um be if i'm in a fight camp i don't think proper i don't think because your body's tired and you can respond a bit ratty and that's not the best way in which to do it or if people don't like confrontation you need to realize like how to weird stuff when you're trying to do that kind of thing but um you have to talk something you've taught me a lot you have to talk about your feelings to mm. you know I mean? and once you talk about them then i don't know two years i've been coming to- sending you (laughs) texts like when I'm feeling feeling the angst but that's what the group of girls is there for in the chain of and chain of commands isn't it
0: well Molly thank you so much for talking to me today no problem that was awesome I appreciate it